0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Proverbs 27, and we'll read a few verses here, 23 down through the end. Proverbs 27 23 down through the end of the chapter it says in Proverbs 27:23 Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds for riches are not forever and doth the crown endure to every generation the hay appeareth and the tender grass showeth itself and herbs of the mountains are gathered the lambs are for thy clothing and the goats are the price of the field And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. And uh, we've been in a series for a few Wednesday nights on finances, and I I call it financial freedom, Um, and this is the third message on Wednesday nights that we've been looking at. And these verses really do lead us to a principle uh, that I want to focus on tonight. We'll we'll look at it in, in just a moment. Let me give you a review First, of, of the reason that we're doing a series like this right now, and then also the principles we've looked at to this point. Uh, the first reason that I, I think the Lord really wanted me to talk about some of these things is uh, we were coming into a season of giving we're coming into a season of, of finances being kind of in the forefront of our minds with the church planning conference and then now missions revival, Sunday's the missions revival offering, uh, the week after is our faith promise, promise missions giving, Sunday where we commit to give weekly to missions and, and I hope that you're praying about those things, um, but it is, um, you know, it, it is a season of giving, it's a season where our finances are kind of on the forefront of our minds, but not only that, um, this is, a, uh, in culture, this is a season where finances are on, our, are on the minds of many people. And if you think about what we've got coming up, um, there's a, if you go to any of the stores in Sioux Falls now, you already see this happening. We're, we're already seeing lots of decorations for what? For Christmas. Yes, don't say Halloween. Christmas. Uh, You think, well, there's, you know, candy. I've got to invest in lots of candy for Halloween. Now, I'm thinking about Christmas. And it is amazing how uh, how many people, and not just people in our culture, but people in churches around Christmas time end up going into a lot of debt because you have these expectations or maybe... People have the expectations uh, that, that we're giving and that they're getting a lot and that we've got to keep up with the Joneses and, and, and you've got these these expectations and uh, I know people, I, I, I know couples um, that I've dealt with before that really every year they go into debt at Christmas and they spend all year coming out of debt from Christmas just to the next December go right back into it. And that's something we've got to think about. We've got to consider um, as God's people. Another reason that this is a a season that we ought to be dealing with these things is, um, you know, as a church, uh, our building, it's beautiful. But if you think about it, our church has essentially stood unchanged for, I think, about 11 years now since we built it. And, and I think it is a beautiful building, but you don't, you don't just get by without maintenance on a building and you don't, you're not able to just kind of let it keep going without investing something in it. And we've got some projects that'll be coming up, um, in the coming months that, that we'll be having to take care of and consider. And, you know, our, our roof needs some, some attention and, uh, that's, it's not a small roof in case you've noticed and and we'll need to start giving some attention to something like that. We've got some concrete work and projects out front that, that I think we'll have to give some attention to here uh, pretty soon. We've we've got you know I, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, our, our church vehicles have been targeted lately uh, for the uh, uh, just 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 people vandalizing and and uh, and you'd think well they wouldn't do that to a church, but they do unfortunately. And, uh, and so we need to take care of some of those things and we've got some things to consider. And knowing the season that we're in, knowing it's a season of giving, knowing it's a season that our culture expects us to be investing, knowing that, that we've got some things right here in our own church that, that we probably need to start making priorities, then, then we need to hear from God's word how to think about finances. Because if we just operate out of default, we won't be able to take care of the things that we ought to. And you say, well, this is a very practical message or it's a very practical series and I was hoping for something spiritual. But what we need to understand is that very often the things that need our practical attention are, are there because if we don't take care of those, we can't focus on the spiritual things like we ought to. If we don't take care of the things in our lives that are practical, we won't have the freedom to do what we ought to on a spiritual level. So we talked in the first week about how money makes a terrible master, and it does. And Solomon, he, he asked for wisdom, and God gave him riches, and the point there um, that we made was that, that money is subservient. It's underneath um, doing things right for God. And it's a, it's a terrible master. It makes a great servant a terrible master. It's a, it's a means, not an end. Your money belongs to God. Your, and your goals should be driven by God-given priorities. And, and contentment always produces more happiness than wealth. Those are the, some of the things that we looked at last time, or two times ago. Last time that we were in this, in this series, we looked at setting financial goals. Because if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. That's the way life works, and the Bible encourages goal setting. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul talks about gold and silver and precious stones, and then he talks about wood and hay and stubble, and he talks about how our works will be manifest. So the idea there is if you want gold and silver and precious stones, then you need works today that will help you get to there. Uh, you, you've got to do works right now that help you enjoy gold, silver, and precious stones when you stand before Christ. Uh, if you don't, then your works will produce wood, hay, and stubble. And when, they, and when God judges our works, only one kind of work, one quality of work will be remaining, and that is the gold and silver and precious stones. The wood and hay and stubble is a result of our works that aren't for God, that we're not thinking about the end. and. We talked about setting some goals and how we need to operate on a budget and we need to develop a schedule to pay off our debt and, and, and those kinds of things. We talked about goals and they're great goals and set goals. You ought to have some financial goals and you ought to make specific goals. You ought to write it down. You ought to review your goals, make them measurable, uh, make them flexible. Because sometimes if you're like me, I have this idea that this is the way it's going to work, but it, life doesn't always go the way that I think it's going to. So be flexible, be realistic in your goals. And one of the principles that we, that we looked at last time was this. In order to meet financial goals, know specifically where your money is going. And it's important for us to know where our money is going. It, it, again, as I mentioned, I think last time it's amazing when we sit down and we look at our finances, uh, how easy it is to spend a lot of money just eating out. And it's easy sometimes just to grab something and, and you think, well, we'll just do it this time. And yet you do that enough over the course of a month and uh, you, know, you could have you had another car payment. It's easy, very easy for those kinds of things. Um, if we're not watching where our money goes... To become the biggest things and and we've got to be careful that's really what Solomon is talking about here in Proverbs chapter 27 and the key verse is be he says be thou diligent verse 23 be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds and you say well last I checked I don't have any herds I don't have any flocks well I understand that maybe some of you do we've got some that, that have animals, and maybe you've got something of a farm going on. But Solomon is using a metaphor here. And, and they could understand this metaphor. And I like that the fact that he uses a, a, a picture. In very many ways, it's like Jesus Christ, and that he would use pictures of agriculture to help especially vines and and those kinds of ideas, that's what Solomon is doing. He's he's using the world of agriculture that they were very aware of to teach a spiritual les- lesson on being a good steward of your possessions. He talks and he uses words in this, this passage. He uses flocks, he uses herds, he uses hay, he uses grass, he uses herbs of the mountains, he uses lambs, goats, goats' milk. So in those days, animals. Pointed to a person's wealth. The bigger your herd, the bigger your flock, the more wealth you had. But the, this principle, though, applies to other areas of life. And the idea is be diligent. Set your heart, somebody said it this way, set your heart to what you have. Be attentive to your welfare. Be diligent, that's the idea. And here's why we need to be diligent. In verse 24, it says, for riches are not forever forever. Here's why you need to be diligent, because riches are not forever. You know what that means? Riches have a shelf life. Riches are not, uh, they're not limitless. And if you're a normal person um, living in, you know, just here at Eastside as a member, and you're living in this culture, you understand money is not limitless. Uh, You don't, you don't spend it and it just automatically replenishes in your account. The reason that you need to be diligent, we need to be diligent, is because our resources, our possessions are limited, and we must be diligent. And according to the end of the chapter, then, um, if you are diligent, then you'll have, pro- you'll, you'll have your clothing provided, and, you then, and it says the goats will provide income to pay the rent for the field, which will produce food and sustain you. And the idea here is if you work hard now, um, then you won't be without later. And we don't know how, I mean, life can happen and things can happen in such a way that, that really everything falls apart. But the idea of the principle here is if you're diligent now, then you won't be without later. And it's good for us to be reminded. And I know this isn't exciting. I know this is very practical. But I'm telling you, if we will take care of things like this then we will be more freed up in our finances to be able to take care of and enjoy some of the bigger things. And that's why we need this. We need to understand some of these principles. Work hard now so you're not without later. Be diligent. Set your heart to it. It doesn't happen without attention. Uh, You must make some effort. The thought certainly applies to finances. Know the state of your financial flock. That's the idea. Know where you are financially. Know what you have. Uh, know how much you have. And here, this is important. Don't just guess. You know, it's, it's been, it's happened to me before where I think, I'm like, yeah, I've got this amount. I should be okay. And I forget about something. I forget um, that most of the money that I have is not mine. It's somebody else's already. And, and there are other things I've got to be paying And you must know what you have. And honestly, it's never been easier to know what you have. If you have a cell phone, it's easy to know what you have. And it's never been easier. But in some ways, it's also never been easier for that number to be deceptive. Because it's easy to pull up the number and say, oh, look at my account balance. Look what I have. I can check it out right there. And not be thinking about all the other things that that money is already committed to. And you've got phone bills, and you've got car payments, and you've got a house payment, or you've got the rent, uh, you've got all the utilities, you've got all of these bills. And so sometimes that number, because it's easy to pull up on your phone, it can be almost more deceptive than ever, because you're not thinking about how, what it's already going to. So know how much you have, but also know how much you spend Be aware of what you're spending your money on. It's never been easier to find out where your money is going. It's also never been easier to cringe as you see the categories that your money is going to. Because it can tell you, it can do it for you. Know how much you make. You say, well, I know how much I make. Well, sometimes I think we forget. Um, Based on how we spend, we forget how much we make. Uh, because surely somebody making that much shouldn't be spending that much. Know how much you make. Know, uh, know how much you owe in order to pay off your debts. And these are, these are very practical things. I, I think, I, again, I know it's not the most exciting stuff. But listen, if we as e um, can know how much we owe in order to pay off our debt and start attacking that debt, then we will be freed up to do more for the Lord. Know how much you owe. Know, know what you, you've got to pay in order to pay off your debt. Know how much you, you need to pay your bills and to save. Uh, here's another good one. Know the month that you will be debt free. I mean, start thinking about those things and say, you know, well, we've got our house payment. But, you know, and, that, and I understand that. But all the other debt, the consumer debt, the vehicle debt, those things, the credit card balances... If you would sit down and say, here are some goals that we're setting, and here's how much we, we've got, we can pay for this, and we can pay toward that debt, and here's the target date, you'd be surprised how motivating it is to say, this is the date, if we will work hard that date, we can be, be debt free. Know when that date is, otherwise, you say, well, I don't know that I want to figure that out, because it's, you know, 2000, it's going to be in the year 2084, Say, well, fine, but if you don't start now, it'll be later than 2084. And, uh, well, I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but, but you know, that if you don't start right now, you'll, you'll never get there. So, know the date that, that you will pay off your debt. Um, get, go back to those measurable goals that we talked about last time. Know how an, know how an emergency fund is going to be handled. These are things that you should know. These are, these are life skills with finances. Dave Ramsey, he preaches an emergency fund. And we've done that our whole marriage. And I'm telling you, it has helped us more times than I can tell you. When something happens that you need finances for, that you don't have to dip into your savings or you don't have to dip into your checking account, and that you've got an emergency fund ready and waiting. I'm telling you, it has helped us very many times. The point is this. Be diligent to know where you are in all of these things. Too many people are just guessing. The Bible says, know the state of thy flocks. So uh, your resources are essentially, are your finances, how are you doing in knowing the state of your flock? It's a good practice not to spend money unless you know what budget it comes from. It's a good practice, you know, you say, well, that sounds miserable. Well, it is, but discipline now leads to freedom later. Don't be afraid to know exactly where you are. Know the state of thy flock. Everything you spend needs to be part of a plan. Are, are you willing to pay that kind of price? And most people aren't. They're not willing to pay that kind of price. Here's the thing. There, I think there needs to be a mindset shift is that you don't pay a price for success. You enjoy success. Look over at Proverbs 22, verse 29. We'll do some turning here. Proverbs 22:29. 29. He says, seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before mean men. So a lot of people, they look at diligence like it's just such a sacrifice, and it's costing me so much, and I'm paying such a heavy price to be diligent. That's how many people look at diligence. But what, what this verse says. Solomon's own pen. Seest thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. And the idea is that when the word mean. Isn't mean like mean. The word mean is, it means insignificant. In other words. If you are diligent in your business. It, yes it, it, it's hard. But it's not costing you in the end. It's actually giving you more opportunities. In the end. We look at diligence like it's so hard and it costs us so much, but diligence in the end actually gives us more opportunities. You don't pay the price for diligence, you enjoy enjoy diligence in the end. And and we need to understand that, uh, that diligence is, it seems hard now, but I'm telling you in the end, you were better off for it. So I want to look at a few verses about, about debt that I think will be a help to us. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 28 deuteronomy chapter 28 Uh, we've already looked at debt statistics in here in this uh series you know three almost three quarters of americans say they're burdened by debt eight out of ten uh u.s uh, adults in the u.s have at least a credit card and 45 percent they say um, carry a balance they don't pay it off every month Uh, they say that 40 percent of u.s families routinely spend more than they earn i mean debt is a problem And sometimes I think it's good for us to be reminded what the Bible says about debt. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and look what it says in verse 15. That's where we'll start. It says in verse 15, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Okay, so... Basically, chapter 28 starts with God saying, if you'll obey me, here are all the good things that'll happen. If you'll obey me, here are all the blessings you'll have. But he says in verse 15, he kind of switches gears and he says, but if you don't obey me, here are all the curses that will come. Here are all the bad things that will happen as a result of you not obeying me. And look, look down. So all of these, there's a lot of curses here. A lot of bad things happen when you don't obey God's word. Look down at verse 41, though. It says, "'Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, "'but thou shalt not enjoy them, "'for they shall go into captivity. "'All thy trees and fruit of thy land "'shall the locust consume. "'The stranger that is within thee "'shall get up above thee very high, "'and thou shalt come down very low. "'He shall lend to thee, "'and thou shalt not lend to him. "'He shall be the head, "'and thou shalt be the tail.'" So one of the results of disobedience, really, it's considered judgment in God's eyes to be the borrower instead of the lender. Now, I'm not saying that it's always wrong to borrow. That's not the point tonight. But, but, it, but it is part of, I'm just telling you, it is part of God's judgment Um, Part of his judgment is that other people will rule over us. will be servants of other people because we owe them. If God's people obey, God blesses. If God's people don't obey, he doesn't. And part of that curse of disobedience is debt. It's not positive. Look at another verse in Nehemiah chapter 5. We'll keep turning. Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah 5, the first five verses. It says in verse 1, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews, for there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many, therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses, that we buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said we have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren our children as their children. And lo we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants and some of our daughters are brought unto bondage already neither is it in our power to redeem them for other men have our lands and vineyards being in debt leads to misery. I mean, I'm telling you, it leads to bondage, and bondage is never fun. It's miserable. Their complaint was, we feel like we're owned by somebody else, and I don't know what it's like to be in prison, uh, but many people are essentially in prison to debt. They're owned by debt. And the borrower is the servant to the lender, the Bible says, in Proverbs 22, verse 7. It does make us feel as if we're under the weight of somebody else that owns us. The borrower is servant to the lender. Look over at Psalm chapter 37. Psalm number 37. It says in verse 21, Psalm 37, verse 21. The wicked, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. Now, it is, I'm not saying that it's a sign of wickedness to borrow. The sign of wickedness is if you borrow and you pay not again. And it's important for us to understand, first of all, to, to borrow, have to borrow, I mean, that's, that is essentially part of life at times and there are times where a borrowing is necessary it is not wicked to borrow but but it is according to this verse to wicked to borrow and pay not again or to do everything you can to pay back what you've borrowed And it's important that we understand that. I'm not trying to stand up here and say that you should never take out a loan. Um, I've taken out loans. I'm not standing up here saying you should never borrow. I've borrowed. We probably all have borrowed at some point in our lives. but But we must, if we're borrowing, we must be more than diligent to pay it again. Because if we borrow without intention to pay again, it's a mark of wickedness. And I just want to point these truths out. That it is, I mean, it is never positive, as far as I understand, it is never positive in Scripture to incur great debt. And and while debt in and of itself is not just wrong at all times, it should not be the norm for Christians, especially when it comes to consumer debt, to just rack up consumer debt upon consumer debt upon consumer debt. It is to be an exception for those cases where it makes sense. I'm trying to just help you, especially those of you in here that are young. Because we've got a lot of young people in here. We've got young couples in here. And maybe you haven't gotten to the phase where you incur debt a lot. And I'm just going to tell you, as the credit card offers come, just throw them away. I'm telling you, you have these things that that you think, if I got this, I can have that. And, and after a while, I'm telling you, it, it piles on and it is no fun. And being in bondage is never a positive thing. Debt may be acceptable, generally speaking, if you can sell what you the, the item and you can pay off the debts. It's a good practice to think about. Um, another, another area of debt is student loans. And, and I just want to say to our young people, be careful of that. Because you'd have a lot of people right here in this room that, are, that feel strapped still by paying off their student debts, their student loans that they've been paying for a number of years. And, and I am not in any way trying to, to, to pile onto that as much as I am. If we can take the examples of some folks even in this room that are trying to pay those things off and say, don't do that. Uh, do what you can. May, be sure you've tried any and all other avenues before you... Get loans and do your best. Ensure that God doesn't have some other plan to work it out before you take on a big chunk like that before you've even started working. Uh, I was talking to Brother John Spillman and, and he has a lot of good help and resources in this area for those that, may, that maybe you're coming into the age where, where you're going to be going to college or uh, you'll be continuing your education. Um, Brother Spillman has some help for you. And I want to encourage you to talk to him, and if we have enough that, that gives some good feedback and, and have enough interest in it, we could set something up to even have him address some of those things, because he has a passion for it and some help. He was in telling me about a podcast tomorrow night um, on Dave Ramsey, I think, that, that he can listen to. Listen, if you have questions, um, he'd be a good resource to talk to about that. And, he, he, and I, he, I asked him if I could give him a plug tonight, and he said yes. And so uh, talk to him, especially if you're coming to the age where you're, you're lo- going to be looking into continuing your education. He has some resources that can help. Um, how to get, so here's how you get into debt, okay? These are not normally the things you write down, but I'm telling you tonight. Here's how you get into debt. You overspend. It, it only takes uh, spending a couple of dollars more than you earn every day to be thousands of dollars in debt in just a few years fall for the easy monthly payments there's another way to get into debt i, I can't tell you how many times looking for vehicles and i go and I, I look for a car and it's a car we like but it's just too expensive and they don't they don't ask how much money do you have they say how what what kind of monthly payment could you afford anybody has that ever happened to you uh what monthly payment could you afford they, they ask me that and, I, and if i told them i could say you know this would be the amount and They say. Great, we have a a 14-year loan for you. It's perfect. You know, you start looking at how much you would actually end up paying in interest, and it's way more than that car's worth. Don't fall into the trap, and especially, again, the young people, uh, you know, because there'll be a really nice, shiny car uh, that somebody wants you to buy, and they'll just say, well, what could you afford to pay every month? Uh, Don't fall into that trap. That's a good way to get into bad debt. So overspending, fall for the easy monthly payments. Uh, Use credit cards and not paying the balance in full every month. That's a good way to get into debt. Assume you'll have your job forever. That's a good way to get into debt. You never know especially in this economy. Uh, So be careful of maxing everything out because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Another way to get into debt is to watch too much television. Okay, how does that work? Well because television is full of ads. And uh I can't. There have been times in my life where I have fallen for the ads, and usually it involves ice cream at Culver's or something like that. Wait, is it ice cream? No, or it's custard. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry about that. For all those Culver's fans out there, I didn't mean to offend you. Okay, here's another way: cater to your kids' demands, parents. You want to go into debt? I mean, your children have expectations and fashion demands and technological demands and they're telling you what all of my friends they're eight and a half and they have a phone (laughs) telling you i mean if you can hold off on getting that phone for those kids till as late as possible or maybe just wait till they're out of the house and let them do it themselves how about that telling you i mean parents we feel you feel the pressure Uh, of well they have this and they've got that and those kids have this and you know I want my kids to fit in and I there is pressure uh, but listen it's a good way to go into more debt than you need is to is to fall into that trap of catering to the demands of the culture another way to get into debt is don't seek counsel before you make a big decision before you make a big decision, make sure you talk to people that are in your life that are, that are wise or that will help you or have a spiritual mindset or with good with their finances. That's how you get into debt. How do you get out of it? Well, um, go, establish a written budget. Write it out. List your assets, list your debts, and then, it, and then establish our payment schedule. And this is what Dave Ramsey calls, anybody know what he calls it? The snowball method. Have you heard him talk about this? Then step one, you list your debts from smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. Uh, You make minimum payments on all your debts except the smallest. And once you pay off that smallest debt, then you take that and you apply it to the next smallest debt. Because you need some wins. If you're in debt and you've got multiple things that you're trying to pay off, you need some wins. And it's good. It's a dopamine rush. To pay off a debt and say paid in full, even if it's a small one, I think it's good to start there. That's what Dave Ramsey recommends, and I think it's a good idea. The snowball starts, and once the snowball starts, and you start picking up another debt. Now that money's going to a different debt, and pretty soon you've got a big snowball, and they're taking care of it's almost taking care of itself. And we need some wins. If you're trying to pay off debt, get started right now, pay one off, and then apply it to the next one. Something else that you could do is apply additional income. I know a lot of young couples, and every time they get a big tax refund, they go on another big vacation. And yet they come home, and they still have credit card debt that hasn't been paid off. And I'm thinking, why would you not take a tax return and pay off your debts? Yeah, that vacation may look good on Instagram, but in a few months, it feels really heavy to come right back to a credit card balance. So if you get extra additional income, apply it to your debts. Don't don't just waste it. If you've got extra, um, don't think of it as blow money. Use it to deal with your priority, which is paying off debt. Another good way to pay off debt is don't accumulate new debt while you're trying to pay off old debt. Uh, sometimes it requires you doing some of your own maintenance and doing some of the own work that, your own work, and you say, well, I'm not very handy. I get it, but I'm telling you, YouTube is a great resource now. And it's amazing what you can learn to do on YouTube these days that they didn't have back in the old days, so take advantage of it. And uh, I, I've done random things around our house um, because of YouTube has helped me. I'm not naturally very good at it. Um, but if you've got something broken or you need to change your own oil or fix something, um, fix your own appliances, call Brother Kelly, by the way. And he, he is a great resource for those. You have some friends right here at Eastside who probably have some expertise in some area, and they'd be willing to help you, too. That's even better than YouTube. And just, just feed them. When they come over, give them a sandwich at least. But, you know, let, take advantage of the people that you know to help you with some of those things. And probably the biggest one is this, be content with what you have. I don't remember where I heard the story, but I heard about a company in Latin America and they opened a plant in this this Latin American country and, and they hired local villagers to come and work for their company and after they got their first paycheck, it was more money than most of them had ever seen in their whole lives. And so they ran off and they didn't come back to work because they have all this money. And there was a problem. So what they, the company did, at least from what I've heard, is they went and got Sears catalogs. And they handed out Sears catalogs to all of their former employees and pretty soon All of their employees were coming back to work for them because now they needed more money to buy what they were seeing in the Sears catalogs. Kind of a genius approach. I mean, a little bit manipulative and evil, but hey, it gets the employees back into into their employment. Listen, contentment It's amazing how discontent we can become. All it takes is just seeing what somebody else has and wishing we had it. And and there may not be a more important trait to finding financial freedom than be content. Paul said in Philippians 4, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Does anybody know where Paul wrote that letter from in Philippians? He was in prison. And yet he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content and you know the point that that makes to me is that I may feel like I'm in a pretty bad situation and this condition is not very good and the circumstances are not very good but if Paul could say I can learn to be content in prison then I can learn to be content in any situation that I'm in and we need to learn that because a lack of contentment is driving a lot of God's people to going into debt they don't need to be in Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, the most important part of being content in your life is just to remember who's with you at all times. And let everybody else go go try to get the biggest and the best and the newest and the nicest. But you have the presence of the Lord in your life. And you can find contentment if you remind yourself of that. First Timothy 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And we sometimes assume that it's worth going into debt for the gain. Whatever it is that we get, the new car, the nicest thing, the next appliance, whatever it is, whatever gain we perceive we're getting, we think that's the gain. But really, um, it's more loss than gain if you go into debt for something that you didn't really have to have, great gain comes, according to 1 Timothy 6.6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain comes when we focus on being what we're supposed to be before we focus on what we want to have. It's more important that you focus on being what you're supposed to do or supposed to be than having what you want to have. That's great gain. Dave Ramsey has a board game called Act Your Wage. And that's the title of the message tonight that I've, Act Your Wage. You know, maybe we should all get it and play it and apply it to, that, to tonight's message. Here's the description of the game, okay? Get, he says, get gazelle intense. And he uses that term, gazelle intensity uh, when it comes to paying off debt and, and your finances. He says, get, get t- gazelle intense with this new board game from Dave Ramsey. Invite friends over to play or have a family game night. It's always competitive and fun. He's selling me on it. Keep your savings up and expenses down as you compete to be the first to yell, I'm debt free for ages 10 and up. Don't let your emergency fund go below 1,000. Plan for expenses using the envelope system. You don't want to have too much month left at the end of your money spend save and give through the income and expenses of everyday living dave says cards keep the wisdom coming pay off debt using your debt snowball that sounds fun doesn't it like a good game we'll play it at the next youth group night so i mean it sounds nerdy but it sounds fun you know maybe we should go buy it and play it not with a credit not with a credit card buy it with cash But Eastsiders, you know, it's a good reminder. Let's act our wage. And let's be mindful. Have you been acting your wage? Uh, Have you been acting your wage, or have you been spending what you don't have to get what you want but maybe don't really need? The best way to act our wage is this be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Have you been diligent? You say, well, you know, it's just not a big deal. But no, listen, our finances affect our service to the Lord. Our finances affect our ability. And I've known people that literally did not surrender to the Lord because they had debt and that's all they could think about. I know people that God was moving in them to give a certain amount or do a certain thing. But because of debt, they had to keep the second job and they couldn't surrender what they really should have because they were thinking and working um, for debt. I know people, and you probably know people too, that debt is limiting their service to the Lord. And I'm telling you, anything that limits our service or surrender to the Lord is sin, we've got to be careful to know the state of our flock we've got to be diligent to know where we are and know what we have and know when our debt can be paid off and we've got to be careful not to get into more debt listen have you been diligent do you know the state of your flocks well let's do what we can to act our wage